0: to be able to worship God and praise God, to be able to turn our attention from all the things that have pulled on us to to give our attention, our affection, our allegiance to, uh, that are many times not not the best. But when we take time to worship God, to praise God, to to let the rest of the stuff drop. You know, sometimes you just got to let stuff drop. Some of you are like, no, I'm carrying it all and I've got more I've got to pick up. Don't pick up anymore. Let it go and give it to God. He's the only one that's faithful enough and wise enough and strong enough and powerful enough to be able to work it out for good, which he promised he'd do for you if we would love him. That's what the, the scripture says. God works all things for good, but it doesn't end there. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If we'll take care of his business, he'll take care of your business. I know it's not business, but it is business. It's it's stuff that gets our attention and our affection and our efforts and our allegiance. And and we need to be aware of that because the enemy is very subtle and sly at, at chipping away at our devotion to God. Because he knows if we're devoted to God, if we're, we're focused on God, if we're following God, then there is nothing he can do to stop it except get us distracted and get us deceived, and we'll see this today. Today we are on the last verse of the Lord's Prayer. And, and it's amazing because we can say this prayer in a matter of seconds. And Jesus, when we read around it, in Matthew chapter 6, as, as you've heard today through Shelby and, and Pastor Jeremy, as we read around it, what Jesus said preceding this was, don't just pray vain prayers, vain repetition. Don't say things over and over again if you don't know what they mean. Right. And yet this is a prayer that unfortunately it's really well known but not known not understood and that's why we've been going through this because it reveals a lot of things that that are very important to the kingdom of god it starts out our father who's in heaven hallowed be thy name the first verse and it's all about how we relate to god but we don't do it alone we're among a family we are part of a family of god Brothers and sisters that look very different than we do, and yet we're all one family. And those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus himself said to the Pharisees and to the scribes and Sadducees, you're of your father, the devil. So as much as everyone's made in the image of God, not everybody is a child of God. That happens when we come to faith in Christ And God becomes our father. And that's why Jesus said, you're going to talk to your father and my father, our father. And he's the best father. He wants the best for you. And he's in heaven. He's got a different vantage point. His name should be holy. It should be sacred to us. And then thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom and his will. That's what this is about. This is all about us living kingdom life in a fallen world. So that people around us who don't know who Jesus is, don't care who Jesus is, will see a life that they're trying to get apart from him and can't. And are being frustrated on every front. Because they maybe get some of what they're after. They may get rich. How many of you know it? That rich people are always aren't happy. And some of you are like, well, I'd like to find out for myself. Yeah. But we see it all the time. We see very, very wealthy people that their lives are just coming apart. Now, it's not true just for wealthy people, it's true for all people. Anybody apart from Christ, their life can come a- apart. But he's the one that holds us together. He's the one that helps us to live in a fallen world in a way that overcomes whatever is fallen in this world. His kingdom come, his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Then it says, give us this day our daily bread. And that's not just food, you know. Jeremy could have, Pastor Jeremy could have tossed this to somebody today. (laughs) And thanks for leaving the snack. I may pause for a little bit take a few bites, um, but, but it's about the essentials for our life. God knows what you need before you need it, and that's who Jehovah Jireh is, the God that provides for the need before the need is ever known. That's what it's defined. he's defined as, before Abraham knew that he needed a sacrifice because he was on a mission to do what God was telling him to do, which God was not going to have him go through with it because God had a provision. But he wanted to see Abraham's obedience. And there was a ram that was there for the sacrifice instead of sacrificing his son. God always has a provision before the need is ever known by us. The need takes us by surprise, but it never takes God by surprise. Right there, some of you need to just let go of the stuff that, are, that are, is just tormenting you because you have these situations going on and you don't know how to take care of them, but I know somebody who does. That's the Lord. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly, but we have to let him have his way, not us our way. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who trespass against us or sin against us. This is part of what we need. And many times we think forgiveness is for the other person. It's for us. It frees us from being stuck in the past by what has happened from somebody who's moved on. And God wants to free you. But the way he frees you is for you to release somebody else. And then we come to verse 13 of Matthew chapter 6. And it says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is where we're going to be. Not just today. This is kind of like the scripture where we were dealing with forgiveness and unforgiveness. And this is going to take a while to unpack. But I believe it's going to be worth it. So before we go any further, let's pray, because God has something to say to you. You here, you at home, specifically, there's a rhema word That word is a specific word for an individual or individuals in a situation and time to be able to empower and impart what they need to be able to cut through and overcome what the enemy is trying to undo in them. And so, Father, today we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We know that your word says that there's no place we can go, that you aren't there. But, Father, oftentimes we find ourselves in situations where we feel alone. We believe we're alone, but, Father, that's just a deception because you're there. But, Father, if we don't reach out to you and look to you and trust in you, submitting and obeying you, then, Father, we do the best we can and it doesn't often work out. But today, Father, we know that you are here because you said where two of them are gathered, you are there in their midst. And so, Father, we thank you for your presence But we ask, we request your participation in our lives. Speak to us. Your word says, Your sheep know the voice of the Good Shepherd. Help us to understand adjustments and alignments that need to be done in our lives to be on track with you, to be able to experience the full flow of your abundant life, your blessing, your victory each and every day. And so, Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word and Your Spirit who brings revelation from the light of illumination of Your Word. That, Father, as we apply it to our lives, we'll experience transformation. So, Father, we thank You for Your work here today. Holy Spirit, we thank You for Your work here today. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your work here today. And we thank You for the work that we'll do to be able to see your will come to pass in our lives. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name, and everyone said? Well, before we go any further, I just want to share a couple of of quotes and and thoughts about temptation. Oscar Wilde said this, I can resist anything except temptation. I I can understand that. Then Brennan Manning, who wrote... Uh, The Ragamuffin Gospel, he's written different books. He's a Christian. He said, the temptation of our time is this, to look good without being good. Boy, that that just kind of pricks a heart, doesn't it? Because we're so, so focused on image, how everybody sees us. That's why we want to put up what we do, and I don't... I. I am not finding fault with all the social media platforms, but what I am finding fault with with is the fact that we aren't honest on those. We may show a slice of our life, but all of a sudden it looks like our life is better than everybody else's. And I don't think anybody is really wanting to reveal the darker side, the difficult side of our lives. But be aware that when you're looking at somebody else's information, you're seeing snapshots. And what happens to the snapshots or the pictures or the selfies that you take that you look ridiculous in? Yeah, you want to delete them. And yet it's still a part of your life. And so there are all sorts of things that people haven't shown you, and so what you're looking at is the best they can come up with. So don't feel like they're different than you because they aren't. People are people. We all have some good times. We all have some challenging times. We all have some difficult and heartbreaking times. And nobody is immune to that. And so we we need to realize that it's not just good enough for us to look good. We need to be good. If we say we're followers of Jesus, Christians, God never expected any one of us to be perfect. He sent the perfect in his son. But he is expecting all of us to make progress in being perfected, becoming more and more like Jesus. We're supposed to be imitators of God. And that means that we don't take a vacation from that. That every day we're looking, God, how do I make adjustments and alignments that are different from what they've been, which is just another set of words for change? How do I change to be more like what you created me to be and have made me to be and want me to be? It's not just about looking good. It's about being good. Someone said you've heard opportunity knocks once. But temptation keeps leaning on the doorbell. Temptation is the devil talking through the door. Yielding is opening the door and inviting him in. And the last one, this is really good. Every time you defeat temptation, you become more like Jesus. That's what God's after. Because that means you are going to show forth his victory. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Do not lead us into temptation. Now we're gonna stop right there and we're gonna deal with this today. We're gonna look at this and we're gonna understand what it really says. Because how many of you know this English wasn't the, the language that the Bible was written in? Right? New Testament is Greek and Aramaic and some other, other uh languages according to different people. And so when we look at this, this was the best they did at the time. But it's not the best translation. It's not the most accurate. Because when I read this, we're we're praying to our Heavenly Father and we're saying, and do not lead us into temptation. Does anybody, does that just unsettle anybody besides me? Thank you for that hand back there. Okay, we got a couple of you. Well, if you're really thinking, it would unsettle all of us. Because this is telling me, by the way it's put here, when God's leading us, we don't know exactly where we're going. It could be to good or the best, or it could be to temptation. Now listen, that would be like God leading Israel out of the Egypt into the wilderness, going 40 years in the wilderness and taking them back to Egypt. But where was God leading Israel? To the promised land, something better. And the Bible tells us God takes us from glory to glory. So He's not going to take us backwards. He's going to take us on into, but there are some things we need to let go of. There are some things we shouldn't pick up. If you've ever been hiking Before you get out there on the trail, there is a huge temptation to take all sorts of things that you are no longer going to need once you get out there. Even packing when you go on a trip. Anybody here overpack? Thank you, honey, for raising your hand. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. I do too. But I'll tell you the difference. When you're hiking and, and you are packing more than you need, And you get out there and you find out you don't need it, most likely you're not just going to throw it away. You're going to carry it. And there is a saying, pounds equal pain. All right? And so there there are things that we need to see that we don't need. But if we're unsure of what we need, we're probably going to take it. And when we're unsure where, where God's leading us, we're not as engaged in following God as we should be. And so when it says, lead us not into temptation, man, that's just tough because I, I, I don't always know where God is leading me, but I have always had this confident expectation, this hope that He is taking me from glory to glory like the Scripture says. But this, this wow, what do you do with this? Well, in the original language, The way this is written addresses the fact that we shouldn't give in to sin when it shows up. How many of you know sin shows up? Yeah, all the time. I mean, it's like wave after wave of opportunity for us to sin. And it comes dressed really, really good looking. And so if we look at this in the New Living Translation, it's a more accurate translation of this. And it says, and don't let us yield to temptation. How many of you know there's a difference between leading and yielding? If he's leading us, then we don't know exactly whether we can trust where we're going. But if it's yielding, then We know temptation comes, comes to all of us every day, and we have the responsibility and choice not to yield, and we're going to find out how we can choose not to yield to temptation, because sometimes it's exactly what we've been waiting for. Hello? We all know that. There are things we want that we know are not good for us. We're doing things that are actually counterproductive to us. And yet we, we just want to keep doing it. And we need help, but we need help from God. And He's there to be our help. I want you to understand, this is helping us realize that God is not saying you're going to go through a life and there's not going to be temptation. There is going to be temptation. And when we we look at that word temptation, there are two words that kind of identify what it is. It's solicitation and it's provocation. Solicitation and provocation. When you're solicited, it's something trying to draw you towards itself. But that's all it is. It's a drawing. It's not a force. We have to comply. We have to yield to that solicitation, that drawing, to be moved into sin. How many of you know Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted in all things? Temptation is not a sin. But if we don't disconnect from it, it will... Result in sin. We'll start to take action on the temptation and it becomes sin. That's why it says, be angry and sin not. Is anger a sin? No. But what you do with anger can be. If you choose and I choose in my anger to lash out at somebody else, that's sin. But in my anger... If I choose to motivate myself towards something good, that's not sin. And so how do we tell? How do we know? We have got to be connected with God. We've got to be reliant on God. We've got to know what God's Word says. And so we don't want to yield to this temptation, but the only way we don't yield is We recognize one who was tempted in all things and yet never sinned. Who was that? Oh, say it again. One more time. That's right. Jesus was tempted with everything. Every human being is tempted with every day. And yet he did not sin. How did he possibly do that? Well, he was God. That's why. And now I've gotten out I've got an ability to rationalize and justify why I sin, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not God. Jesus was God, and that's why he was without sin. No. Yes, he was the Son of God, but he laid down his deity to live in this earth like you and I do, being tempted in all things. And how did he live that way? What did he come to do? Yes, he can save the lost, but he came to do not his own will, but whose will? The will of the Father. He had decided before he ever faced anything what his choice was going to be. You know, when you decide beforehand, it's not as difficult to resist what you face. If you decide going into a a car dealership that you're not going to buy a car today, then they can put all the pressure they want to on you, and you can say, no, no, we decided we aren't going to buy today. We're just coming for information. Now, some are like, forget the plan. That's a great great deal. I'll take it. (laughs) Well, you know, you do what you want. But planning, prior planning, prevents poor performance. And when we plan to follow God no matter what, when we face temptation, we can easily say, is this God or is it not God? If it's not God, then I'm not going. And no one and nothing can make you go. But that's where the enemy works overtime to solicit, to try and draw you or provoke you. That's to get you into a response action. When you're provoked, if somebody provokes you, what happens inside? You you get angry. You get aggressive. You start to figure out how you're going to get back. And that's what the enemy does. He he gets us to that place where we want to just react. That's provocation. Solicitation is drawing. Provocation is more more in your face forcing you to react. Neither one of those should we be responding to. Because the moment we react in provocation, that which provoked us owns us. It now rules us. And we shouldn't react to solicitation because that which is drawing us now Owns us because we're giving into it. And who is the one we are supposed to be yielding to? God. And He's the one that owns us because if Jesus is our Lord, He's our Master. But He's a good Master. So we don't want to yield to temptation. So there's a choice there, and it's not God's doing. So if he's not leading us into temptation, where does, what does God lead us to? Well, one of the most well-known Psalms, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads, me be, he leads me to green pastures and beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. God leads us in paths of righteousness. That's not temptation. Righteous paths never tempt people. And so we can be sure, this is what his word says, he leads us. He guides us along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And then in Romans eight fourteen, it says this. I'm sorry, Psalm 32, 8. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. This is what we can, by faith, hold on to. When God is leading us, it may look dangerous. It may look difficult. It may look like, I don't want to go there. But I have to tell you, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. And that's where when we have his word, where he leads us, where he guides us, it is never, ever, ever into temptation. But understand wherever God leads you, who tries to show up? The enemy. the enemy. It's the same thing that happened with Jesus in the wilderness. The Bible tells us the enemy or the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. And he knew that he was going to be tempted, but the enemy showed up. The Spirit of God led him to the wilderness for a time apart. And whenever you're taking time with God, the enemy is going to try and jump in the middle of it. And we just have to continue to focus on God and submit to God. So he'll guide us along the best pathway for our life. He'll he'll advise us and watch over us. What is there bad in that? Nothing. Nothing. We need every bit of that. I need the best pathway for my life. I don't know about you, but I've found out that the GPSs that I've owned don't always take me on the best pathway. Now, my wife, she is wonderful. She is the greatest gift God's given me outside of salvation. She's not perfect. And there are times where the GPS will say, go this way. And she'll be like, just follow the GPS. No, honey, I don't want to do that. Just follow the GPS. No, I don't want to do that. Just follow the GPS. No, honey, I know it's not going the shortest way. Just follow the GPS. Now, there are times that I've given in. Now, there are times I've not given in. You know what? Both of them worked out because we love each other. But there's only one that knows the best path for you all the time wherever you are and he's going to lead you in that he's not going to lead you into temptation temptation may come along the way but he's not doing it you need to know today to put a line in the sand to say i know my god is good he is not going to give me what's bad or evil if you don't know that and you don't believe that, then you're going to question everything that happens in your life. Oh, is this God trying to teach me something? Do you know what? Jesus came to reveal who God the Father was. Do you ever ever see Jesus showing up and putting sickness on somebody? Do you ever see Jesus showing up and putting disease on somebody? Do you ever see Jesus showing up and killing somebody? Because that's not what the Father does. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. In who there is no variableness or shadow of change. That means he doesn't have good and bad. He's good all the time. And if he's good all the time, if all you've got is good, how can you give bad? You can't. And that's where whatever you've heard, whatever you've thought, whatever you've chosen to believe, you need to believe what the Scripture says. Every good and perfect gift. God works all things out for good. And if you think your sickness is from him, you are deceived. And if you were really believing that was from God, you'd never go to the doctor. How dare you try and get rid of what God's doing? Do you see how ridiculous that is? The enemy came for what purpose, John 10.10? To steal, kill, and destroy what does sickness and disease do? Steals, kills, and destroys. You can see who this is. It is not God. And so we've got to know. We've got to know who our God is because if we're questioning God, then we have the opportunity to fall just like Eve did. And her questioning of God brought her into the realm of sin. And what does sin pay off? Death and so it's it's the enemy tempting it's not god god will test us but he won't tempt us and testing is the word to assay it's to determine the purity of something how much are we devoted to him but he doesn't do it with evil so how are we supposed to be led we know God's gonna lead us to good, but how, how do we get led by God? What is the means by which God uses to lead us? Well, you know, I can pray and I can say, God, if you want me to do this, have these planes crossing the sky. Oh, I know Christians that do this stuff. You know what that's called? Well, fleece is one of the words, it's also dumb. It's dumb, it's dangerous. Because there are all sorts of things that can cause these apparitions. There is a place in the Bible where a prophet prayed, if if this is your will, let the fleece be dry in the morning. And it was, and dew was all around everywhere else. And then because he wasn't sure, he said, all right, now this morning, if it is your will, let the fleece be dry and the ground dry. Or fleece be wet and the ground be dry. And it was. And so he had his answer. But listen, you don't have to do that kind of stuff. Because where is God now? He lives in you. And the Spirit of God is there to lead you and guide you into all truth. What keeps you free. That's why it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, as many... That means there are many or few. It's our choice. As many as are led by who? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. Well, I I don't know how to be led by the Spirit. Well, the way you'll learn how to be led by the Spirit is begin to what the Bible tells us, walk in the Spirit. You're not walking alone. Wherever you go, you're never alone. The Spirit of God is there with you. Why don't you ask Him? Why don't we converse with Holy Spirit just like we do our friends? What do you think? Have you ever said that to a friend? You're trying to determine where you're going to go? Well, what do you think? And then test Let God show you. You start to listen and then walk out that that guidance you got because Holy Spirit's supposed to guide you. But the way you know whether you're headed towards the cliff or whether you're headed towards what God has for you is you know what the Word of God says. And you're able to test the spirits. And because God's Word is truth, It keeps us in line. And right now, we are living in a time of the greatest ignorance of Scripture. We have more resources than any time in all of mankind available to us. And the enemy has worked so deceptively and subtly to try and get us to not make ourselves proficient, knowledgeable in the Scriptures. And do you know what he's doing? He's setting us up for what the Bible tells us he's going to do. If you don't know truth, how easy is it for you to be deceived? Man, if I don't know somebody is telling me the truth, I can say, okay. You know, somebody comes to my house and says, I say, you know, I need gutters on my house. And they say, you know, know, this is going to be a lot of work. Okay, I don't know how much work it's going to be. Well, Mr. Heck, your your gutters are going to cost you $30,000. And this is the reason why. It doesn't make sense to me, but if all the gutter people are saying, hey, this is going to be $30,000, you know, do you think they have something in it for themselves? And so you, you, you've got to realize that you're going to get some things that are going to look good, sound good, and some things that don't, but you've got to know God because he's the one that knows what's true. And you track with the truth. The moment you get off track from the truth, you start to get deceived. And the Bible tells us in the days we're living in, many, many will be deceived and will deceive many. And I'm telling you right now, there are all sorts of people that are telling all sorts of things, even about Jesus, that aren't true. High profile, well-known. And if you and I don't know what the scripture says, well, you know, they're on TV. They got a big ministry, so it must be true. You don't know how many people that's happening with. And even in churches like this, if you don't know what the Bible says, you can't just say, well, you know, pastor told me. Do you know that every one of us, every one of us, is coming closer and closer to the day we stand before the Lord himself. Not with anybody else. We stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to answer. And we can't say, well, you know, my pastor told me. He'll take that up with me, but it's not going to get you off the hook. We have no excuse except saying, you know what, Lord? I didn't do what your word told me to do. You know what God's Word tells us to do? Study to show ourself approved unto God. A workman that doesn't need to be what's the word? Ashamed. Thank you. Rightly dividing. A workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. A workman. It's work. Can I tell you that bringing a message whoever brings a message it is work it takes hours and hours and hours of prayer of studying of putting things together and that's why everybody thinks i just work one day a week but we're all going to be tested and so and tempted and so we need to know the truth to stay free. Stay free of that temptation. Instead of going into bondage and becoming a prisoner, the death can work in our lives. James chapter 1 gives us an insight. In verse 12 through 14, it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. That means we don't give into it. It's going to come, but you go through it. The only way we can go through temptation is with God. Who is the only one that was tempted in all things and didn't sin? He's the only one that can lead us on the path that gets us through. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised all those who love him. Now, when it says love him, remember what Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commands. All those that keep my commands. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. That should settle it. When you're tempted, it's not God. The moment we're tempted to be drawn away towards something other than what God has said is right and what God, what would honor God, then we've got to realize that's not a direction we can afford to go. Because it's going to end up worse than we imagined. But each one is tempted. Look at this. Each one is tempted. Say this, I'm tempted when I am drawn away by my desires. Okay. So now we we know who is the problem here. Right? We have an I problem. I have a problem, it's me. You have a problem, it's you. Your problem isn't me and my problem isn't you. And do you know what? It's not even the devil. Do you know why? He's been defeated. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now I give it to you. And you as a believer in Jesus Christ have been given authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy that nothing by any means would harm you. That's what the scripture says. But we get tempted to believe something else. We get tempted to go another. There's a drawing. There's a solicitation. Or a provocation. One is drawing us. The other one is pushing us by the enemy to set us up to, number one, be deceived, and number two, be destroyed. We're drawn away by our own desires. We have to be very, very aware. What is that desire in me? Is that desire... Drawing me to God or away from God? And there are a lot of desires that are just kind of nebulous. They're not good. They're not bad. But what we do with them can be. You know, fire is not bad. But what is done with fire can be bad. Or what is done with fire can be good. And that's why we have to know what the Scripture says so that we aren't deceived into thinking, well, it's okay. Look, everybody's doing it. All the important people, all the smart people say, this is right, this is the way we should go. I'm telling you that as you read your Bible, you will see that what the words say in the Bible are happening right now, which is, they will call good evil and evil good. And it's happening. Our society is... Operating is so much deception. And they don't know any better because they don't know the truth. But we don't have an excuse. Except if I were to say, well, I didn't know, Lord. I have a feeling that the Lord would say, you were lazy. You had the resources. You had the time, Jeff but you didn't use it for what I gave it to you for. We are rapidly moving towards the return of the Lord. We're rapidly moving towards the rapture of the church. And we're seeing the great apostasy, people falling away, walking away from their faith because they don't believe what they used to believe. They become deceived. They've been Something's been soliciting them or provoking them, and they're making a movement away from God. And this is is no different than what happened in the first temptation. In Genesis chapter 3, and we're just going to start here, but we'll pick this up. Now, this wasn't the first sin. This was the first temptation. The first sin was by Lucifer. Lucifer. Who saw the magnitude of the beauty of the instruments that he had been made with by God. And he sinned by saying, I will exalt my throne against the Most High. That was a sin against God. But now we find Lucifer, who has fallen, wanting to get vengeance on God. And he knows he can't go back and do that because he can't hurt God. Except... How many of you know that some of the deepest hurts you'll ever experience are hurts that are done to your loved ones? And that's what the enemy does. That's why he goes after you and me. And so Eve and Adam were in the garden, and at this moment, God has has finished creation, created man, given him a mandate, created woman, and they're doing what God has for them to do. And verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, And now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Now, when, when it speaks about being cunning, that means subtle, crafty, and we're not talking about Knitting shrewd or deceptive so he was all these things and he's coming at eve and she's never experienced anything like this before the enemy had been biding his time and now he was ready and he has a question Has God indeed said, You shall not eat from every tree in the garden? Had God said they could eat from every tree in the garden? Does anybody know? Speak up. No, he said you can eat from every tree in the garden, but you got to watch your butts. But, one. And what was that tree? Don't say the apple tree. (laughs) Apple gets a bad name. All right? It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Of those two things, the knowledge of good and evil, what did not Adam and Eve have? The knowledge of evil. Did God keep something back from them? Was it good he kept it back? Yes. But the enemy is starting to work on this. And he says, has God said? What does that immediately call into question? God's goodness. God's Truthfulness, God's character. Has God really said this? And what does she say? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it. And she was right up to that point. But then she says something that is absolutely not true. Nor shall you touch it lest you die. Now why do you think the enemy went to Eve? And ask her this question. I will tell you why I believe he went to Eve. Because when God created Adam and gave him the mandate that she just quoted, not completely, Eve had not been created yet. In Genesis chapter 2, We see God creating everything. He creates Adam. He gives him the mandate that he can eat from every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of the fruit of good and evil. And then he says it's not good that Adam's alone and creates Eve. So who heard from God personally? And who told Eve? Most likely Adam, because we never see God telling her that. And so she's got secondhand information. And he comes to her knowing he, she hasn't heard from God directly. And so she embellishes, just like we tend to do at times. We add to, we take away. And in that is where the enemy is able to operate. And we're going to see how he operates next week. Because the way he operates that we see with Adam and Eve is the way he operates in our lives. And the very things that tempted Eve are the very things that tempt our lives every day. And if we expose this, we are going to be better able to recognize the enemy coming and resist him when he comes. Does that sound like it would be helpful? Then show up next week. Yeah, same time, same station. God always has a provision for us before we ever need it. He is always your greatest ally and greatest advocate. There's never anything God does that isn't in your best interest. But it is not always comfortable, it is not always enjoyable. It doesn't always seem like the best. But you can be assured it always is the best. And you have to be rock solid in that. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. As I said earlier, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. The greatest gift our Heavenly Father has given us is the greatest gift He had. And that is the gift of His Son who willingly gave his life to do the will of the father and the work we needed to redeem us from the curse of sin and until we recognize what Jesus has done repent turn change our thinking turn to god and release our life to him and receive Christ as our Lord, we're going to be struggling all of our days in the earth, which God never intended. God's word says that we are overwhelmingly more than conquerors in all things through Christ who loves us and gave himself for us. doesn't mean you aren't going to have struggles, but in your struggles you're going to see victory as you allow God to have his way. But until you do, We have to work this out on our own, and it doesn't often work out. And so if you're here today or you're online and you've never recognized that Jesus died for your sins, to set you free and to reconnect you with your heavenly Father who loves you and has a plan for good and not for evil with a future full of hope for you, then today I'm going to invite you to pray with me. To repent to receive Christ as your Lord and to begin to reign with him in this earth if that's you I just want you to raise your hand and say that's me I, I need today to give my life to the Lord I need thank you I need thank you let's pray this prayer together Heavenly Father I thank you for your son Jesus who left heaven to come to earth to live a sinless life in a fallen world. Today, Lord Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross as an innocent man to die for my sins. Today, Lord Jesus, I proclaim, I am a sinner. I come to you to receive you as my Savior. I repent and turn to you and ask you to be my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for guiding me, governing me, guarding me. Thank you for saving me In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, please let somebody know before you leave. If you prayed online, please let us know. We want to be praying for you. Uh, If you go to our website, reslifeny.org, go down to where the prayer requests are. You can just say, I prayed today, thank you. Uh, Or give us your name, we'll pray for you by name. Or if you want us to contact you, give us some contact information. Would you